Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. I am so excited about this interview. In fact, I have been excited about it since we we started talking about it on December the 2nd. So this has been a little while coming Big because up. the individual that we're going to be speaking with today is somebody that we respect a lot, somebody that we listen to, we learn from. In fact, I I drove from here to um, an event that she was doing. I think it was like a 10 or 11 hours away because the Lord said you need to go. Yep. And I was so thankful that I went. And I'm so excited to share with you somebody that we respect. She's an author, she's a pastor, and she's a prophetic voice today. Welcome to the show, Wanda Alger. Yay! Yay! It's Wanda Alger. Oh my gosh. Hey, good to see y'all. Great to see you as well. I, I, I love it. You're 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 such a, a unique person in, in these spaces because I could play a little bit of a clip for you for a large crowd, and I could tell them uh, this is the former uh, CEO of like Hobby Lobby, and they'd be like, "Oh, oh okay, that makes that. that makes sense." I, or I could say, "Hey, this is a, a, a uh, uh, the dean of one of America's biggest universities." They'd be like, "Oh, okay, that kind of makes sense." Like like you carry this 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 wisdom and ability to communicate that. Like you could say, hey, this former ambassador to Germany for the U.S. government, like, oh, okay, I get it. It makes sense. Like you, you have the ability to to communicate on so many levels in in the natural, in the spiritual, and with with a with a wisdom and a, and a clarity and a poise that that literally you could you could kind of transition to about any role in the world. And I think God is is using you in a really it's great true. way because of that uh, right now. Well, thank you. That's very kind. But I, you know, actually in my last video, it, it, it's true. I carry the heart of a mom. I think that's why I, I know I'm a spiritual mother mm-hmm. in the body of Christ in particular, because uh, that really is my heart. And I think any parent would understand then what comes out of that kind of heart. Yes. <laughs> so. That is, that's so true. You know, David and I, I said December the 2nd, this is true because David and I were, we were flying into an event and on our way there, uh, I had downloaded a video that you had put out about a prophetic word that God had given you from November the 29th, 2023. And I encourage everyone to go to WandaAlger.me. When you get there, you can go to her blog. So go on the left-hand side where the hamburger is, hit blog, and then you can see prophetic words there. Um, but it was called Payback Time is Coming. And again, I encourage everyone to go read this, or you can also go to her YouTube channel, channel Wanda Alger, and watch it there. I think it is a significant word uh, for what the the future holds. It's actually extremely encouraging, um, especially for people that had. It's been a, a a rough few years where you feel like you are maybe um, been in a battle and a little tired. This word was extremely encouraging. But one of the things, Wanda, you talked about, and we want to draw attention to, is the power of our words. And you were talking about words to pray by, and you have a book called that, Words to Pray By, and you've actually given the Flyover family a discount, which I'm truly honored that you would do that. We are very thankful. So when you go to the store and you go to the, and you find the book, um, Words to Pray By, if you use the code uh, flyover-word, flyover-word, Wanda's giving you $5 off, and if you get two books, it's $5 off each book. If you get three books, $5 off each book when you use that promo. Between- you, could, you could get $100 off if, you, if you're ambitious enough. No kidding, if yeah. you buy enough books. <laughs> but it's now between at, between now and January the 1st. So Wanda, thank you so much for, for doing that. But when we heard you talking about this, um, David and I were like, we need to have Wanda on the show so because good. this is so important for people to be talking about, like, what's the responsibility of a Christian today 
in in the pray, praying for our own lives, in praying for our families, in praying for the church, in praying for uh, our country. And so we wanted to bring you on today to talk about that because I think it's extremely uh, important, especially for right now with what we're getting ready to go to go through. Amen. Well, you know, I have to give you the backstory of why I even wrote this, because this really goes to uh, what do we really believe about prayer? You know, oftentimes if we're not careful, we, we talk, it's just a conversation with God and, and a way to kind of dump all of our worries and cares on him. But do we really believe that our prayers work? Do they right. make a difference? And for me, it, you know, as a young teenager, I have a whole story and testimony. You know, my, my dad was a pastor, but it was a very dysfunctional home. There was a lot of anger. Uh, in the house. And that's why I learned to pray. I would go to my bedroom and, you know, I was, I was, I felt helpless. Like, Lord, how can I change this situation? You know, everyone's mad at each other and bad things were happening. And he began to teach me about the word of God and that I could change things in the spirit, even though my natural personality was not, you know, I wasn't assertive like my sisters. He said, no, I'll teach you how to pray. And one of the scriptures that uh, is really key to this whole thing is from 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And it says that this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Mm. That's, mm. that's, that's pretty amazing. Huge. I mean, that's almost a, a guarantee. Mm-hmm. So the question is, when I, when I would read this, it's like, okay, if I know God's will and I'm praying that, is, he says, you've got it. So, of course, the question is, what's your will? And, I th- you know, that's, that's the age-old question, especially yeah. for someone who's just coming new to the Lord. Well, how do I know what God wants? Yeah. Well, that's what, that, that's what the Word of God shows us. It doesn't show the specifics, but what it reveals is his heart, his character, and his nature, who he is as a person. And as you get to know who he is as a person, that's where the mind of Christ then comes. And we actually begin to think like him. And then we can perceive like him. We know his heart. And that's what his will is. He actually infuses us with that then, his nature, his character, and his heart, so that he is actually praying through us. Mm -hmm. It's not even us praying. It's Jesus praying through us. And so what I did, and of course, this was before the age of internet uh, computers, is I began to uh, create a journal because I wanted to know what God's will was according to various topics. Okay, what is God's will for for healing, physical healing? What does scripture say? And I would write down, I would go to a concordance and I would write down every scripture I could find about healing. Okay, what is his uh, will about money? Same thing, Old and New Testament, go through verse after verse. And that's actually what began to build my my theology, my doctrine, my belief system of this comprehensive overview. This is God's will. And then I simply started praying the scriptures. And that was really, that was the foundation of my whole prayer life, my whole life is, and I mean, it was a journal that was this thick, spiral bound. I would even have family members say, you know, give me a copy of that. So bottom line is last year, the Lord said, Wanda, you need to put that prayer journal in print. You need to share this because so many people they want to pray, but they they don't quite know how to start, you know, how to have this kind of relationship and the confidence that God is not only listening, but he's going to answer them. So that was really what 
what this book was born from. And, and what a great sequence yes. of, of, you know, cart and the horse, you know, in connection, because the natural tendency is to, to scan through the Bible or something stitched on a pillow or a plaque, mm-hmm. you know, from a, uh, you know, a store. And it's like finding verses that match our will and our mm-hmm. need in a situation versus, you know, what is God's will? And then, you know, lining it up with it. We've, we said a lot, like when it comes to ministry type things, it's like, okay, uh, I want to, I want to move towards what God is doing and, and, and partner with that, not, not try to build a building around what I'm doing and, mm. and talk God into it. Like what's his will. And then move towards that, which that sequence it's, it makes so much sense when you hear it, but that's not the natural process for people. You get in a pinch. It's like, open your Bible. Uh, okay. Right here. Mm. What do we got? Okay. Come on, come on. Yeah. You know, give me something good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what you're getting to David is people have to admit a lot of times people don't pray until we have to, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we need to learn how this is, should be a part of our daily life because it's a relationship. My, my prayer life. I don't think I'm going to pray today. No, I'm talking to my father. I'm talking to Jesus. I'm talking to the Holy spirit because there actually are three of them in one, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what I'm building and I'm wanting to, to receive their heart. So yeah. it's daily. And after you do that, I mean, the, the amazing thing, because in tying this with the prophetic, I, I started doing this for years. I would just pray the word and it began to be so much a part of me. I didn't realize that I was just speaking God's will. And as I would do that, that's really where prophecy was born because I would speak his heart for different people. And they would tell me later, oh my goodness, I never saw that before. You know, that just set me free or man, you just showed me something I, you know, the Lord wanted me to see. So, you know, even for growing in the gifts of the spirit, how God wants to speak to us and through us, it has to start with with the Word of God. I mean, it's life and mm-hmm. it's alive. It's, it's not just, you know, words yeah. on a page. It is living. I mean, that's the exciting thing for people that are, are new to the faith that would think, well, it's just a book. Oh, no. The Word of God is a person, Jesus, because actually Jesus's real name is the Word. Because in John, the Word was with God. He, yes. you know, in the very beginning, he's the living Word. So that's who you're building the relationship with. Ooh, I got God bumps just as you said that. I have a question for you. You're talking about the three aspects of God, God the, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Are there times that you would address them um, differently? Like, would you would you actually, um, you know, ask Holy Spirit versus the Father versus the Son? Like, um, how does that look like in your relationship with the Lord? That's an interesting question because it, it is changing, but I'm very conscious of that because, and that is a, a journey of discovery for every person because God, the father, he's a father. And so there are times where I just feel like, you know, sitting in the father's lap, receiving his love, um, you know, in the big picture plan. Of course, Jesus, he walked here on the earth as one of us. He, he's my brother. He's my intercessor. Mm-hmm. He's the one that understands what I'm walking through. And then Holy Spirit, scripture is very clear. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's the one that reveals things to us. He's the one that teaches us. And so, yes, very much. I'm, And that's only come in the, the latter years of my life of understanding that difference. And it's just added a lot more flavor to my prayer life because I realized, wow, it's not just the Lord, but it's the three in one, mm-hmm. you know, that mystery that you can only know by the spirit um, that really makes the relationship kind of exciting. That is powerful. I love that. So let's get into some, maybe some real practical examples for people. Cause um, I, I, I do think, you know, man, I don't know when you want to start it, but say like, 
you know, the end of 2019, like somewhere in that window till now, there's probably not a person watching this that hasn't gone through something that they maybe would have thought they couldn't go through before. Like there's no way I could make it through something like that. They've lost a loved one. You know, they've, they've uh, lost a job. Their income has changed. Their industry was shoved to the side mm-hmm. They're Maybe they had a restaurant, you know, during lockdowns and lost everything. You know, there's, there's so many things that people never saw coming and um, they need, they need something more, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it's like to really grab, grab a hold of. And I, that's why I think the the language that you use in this space is so critical for people right now. Well, like I said, getting back to it, if everyone can understand, you can hear God's voice. It doesn't take a prophet. We all have the spirit of God. If you've really received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is within you and he will speak to you. And so in in how I, I wrote the book and how to build a prayer life, it's looking through the word of God, reading these scriptures and then speaking them out loud back to him to build this relationship and so the way that I, I wrote the book was to write the scripture, but then after every scripture, I write a personalized prayer as mm. if you yourself are speaking to the Lord, this scripture. And so this very first one is an example. This is in the, the topic, words for hearing God's voice. This is where you start. Lord, I want to hear from you. We'll take this uh, passage, 1 Samuel 3.10. The passage is, the Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And this is when Samuel was a boy, you know, in in the Mm -hmm. temple of the Lord. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. So I turned that scripture into a prayer. I say, give me an ear for your voice, Lord. Remind me to set aside time to sit in your presence and incline my heart toward you. Give me even greater sensitivity to recognize when you speak and are calling my name. May I always respond with a readiness to obey. Mm. And so you're taking that that scripture and you're just praying it back to him because this is God's will. Samuel had positioned himself in the temple. The Lord called him and he said, yes, I'm here. I'm listening. And so that's just an example. Uh, If you go to to another one that I know everyone can relate to, especially around the the holidays, is we've all got families and, and probably there's people out there that you have prodigals that you're really concerned about, sons and daughters who aren't walking with the Lord. And so uh, in this one, the very first passage here, Psalm 18, 28 says, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. I turn that into a prayer. Turn on the light, Lord, as my child walks through the darkness. May your spirit shine down upon them and show them the way to freedom. May they see your love and goodness in the midst of their pain. And may their hearts burn with a longing to walk in truth once again. Show them the way back to you. So in in writing these, these verses, the reason that I'm doing this, I'm just kind of, um, kind of giving you a jump start because these aren't necessarily meant, okay, this is the prayer to pray for that scripture. I'm wanting to provide a jump start for people, you know, that maybe this is kind of new of how do I pray the word? So I'm just wanting to put some language to it. And I've already heard back from people. I mean, their, their whole prayer life has changed. And some of them say, it's like, you've finally given me words you know, mm. to put to the word of God. I didn't know how to start. And and once you do, it just, I've seen it open up a well uh, where all of a sudden, like the spigot is turned on and that conversation just begins to flow a, a lot more easily because you realize he's there, he's listening. And remember the angels, you know, in scripture, in the Psalms, it says that the angels hearken unto the word of the Lord. They're listening 
for the word of God. This is why it's so important that when we pray, we pray out loud. And when we speak, when we read the word, we read it out loud because that's what the angels are there for. They are positioned around us. They're listening for the words that come out of our mouth so that they can, they can go and do their job. They're going to fulfill that word. And so when we speak protection of the Lord over our children, they hear that. That's the word of the Lord. They will go and do that. And so that's just an encouragement. Yes, we need to read the word and meditate, but we need to declare it. And, you know, that's what you do, Stacey, on your, on your program. You yep. know, let's free the word of the Lord and it, because it also builds our faith. It's amazing yep. when we hear ourselves speak it out loud, it does something in our own spirit. I love that. So, you know, as people are listening, um, I just felt like somebody would ask a question. Does God really need us to partner with him? Does God really need us to speak this out so the angels will go do it? Why doesn't he just do it himself? Is there is that really important? And, and are we really part of the equation? Well, think about it as a natural parent, because God is our father. I mean, is it, you as a parent, do you want to be doing everything for your kids their whole lives? No. I mean, it's a parent's, it's a parent's joy to, you know, to train up their children so that they can go and live, you know, do what they're created to do. That's the, that's the joy of the father. He put things in us because he loves mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. his son reflected through us. Remember, he gave, the father gave his only son, Jesus, to die for us. And so he's honoring his son when he sees us standing in that same authority that he gave his son. And then we begin to speak the very words that his son spoke. It gives him honor. It gives him joy. So that is the challenge. It's, it's not just, you know, because there is a doctrine of sovereignty. Well, God's going to do what he's going to do. No, no. I mean, there are some things that, yes, he will do, but he has chosen to use, use you and I. That's mm -hmm. always been a part of his equation. And, and unfortunately, that's why it's taken so long <laughs> to, to see things unfold is because he's waiting for you and I to do yeah. our part. You know, oh, we have a part. Great point. That's so true. And, and every every story in the Bible, you yep. know, I mean, God could take out Goliath by himself. He could have had a rock fall from the sky on Goliath. You know, he, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus could have taken some dirt and some sticks and turned into food to feed the 5,000, you know, uh, he, he could have parted the sea, you know, on his own, but it's like, he, he's always looking for someone willing to do like, mm -hmm. like one little crumb. And then he does the rest, mm -hmm. you know, but that, mm -hmm. that crumb seems to be a necessary part of the equation you're partnering with and you're believing mm -hmm. in what God's called you to do, you know, and, and then yeah. the words, you know, mm -hmm. or, or I can't think of an example in there where they weren't, claiming what God's going to do, whether it's, you know, David and Goliath or any of those mm -hmm. stories, you know, the words and yeah. partnering with what, with what God, what God's will is in that moment is critical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and what, what you guys stand for, you know, on flyover conservatives and you have been empowering people to take part in what God is doing in this nation and in other nations, you know, that we have a part to play. Well, prayer has, and in speaking the word of God, that that's got to lead the way. Because even the actions that we take here, it's because we hopefully have been informed by the word of God, you know, both the written word and hearing his voice. That's what empowers us, inspires us to do the things that he's called us to do. And so, you know, what we've been walking through the last couple of years is this whole illustration that we have a part in this. It's because we haven't been speaking up. We haven't been, you know, living the word, walking in it. That's why we got into this mess, you know, because mm -hmm. we weren't doing right. what he's called us to do. You know, now, thankfully, we're seeing that turn around uh, and, and we're coming in now to the fullness 
of seeing what happens when we rise up as sons and daughters in the kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, because he's, he's given us that responsibility. Nobody else has that. We have been given that commission to change things. No one else has. And it has to start mm-hmm. through prayer, through us living the word of God, speaking the word of God, because that's his heart. That's why he put us here. So it's, it's a lesson that we're learning. That I is, told you she was awesome. I know she is. She's amazing. <laughs> so Flyover Family, you can go to WandaAlger.me. So from there, you can find her blog. Um, you can also obviously find the book that we're talking about. Again, it's Words to Pray By. And, and when you go there, if you at checkout, use the code FLYOVER-WORD, and you get $5 off of each one of those books, the Words to Pray By. Um, but then uh, Wanda, obviously, I follow you on YouTube. Um, I go to Wanda Alger to follow you on YouTube, but also Telegram. Uh, those seem to be great places for people to follow you. Is there anything I'm missing there um, of places that people can can make sure they're participating in what you're doing and also learning from you? Uh, well, there, I'm on Facebook. Some Also, I send out a weekly newsletter. If you go to my homepage, uh, you can subscribe. Yeah. I send out once a week a newsletter, and I basically bullet point everything I've put out, be it written or in video resources, special offers, they can get it there. And they can also just click another box, any real-time alerts. If I send out a prophetic word or an article, they'll they'll get a real-time alert for there. So there's some options there. That is excellent. Yeah, people need a steady drip yes. of Wanda in their, in their life. They do. We sure do. There's no doubt about it. So Wanda, thank you so much for your time. We just really appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing um, for the body of Christ during this time. I mean, this 2024... Um, it's going to be a crazy time, and we need to to be aware. We need to make sure we have a strong foundation in the Lord, and you are constantly always pointing people back to the Lord and showing them what it looks like to walk in a true relationship with, with Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and blessings to you all in, in fulfilling your commission. It's amazing. Incredible. Glad to know you. Hello, Flyover family. Join me every Wednesday for the Prophetic Report at 1111 Central. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on the Flyover app. We have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like Robin Bullock, Julie Green, Barry Wunsch, Amanda Grace, and Hank Kuhneman. Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking. And what's interesting is God is speaking through them. And all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. got all in the Christmas spirit after decorating, and we decided to make a naughty and nice list. And Ooh. I have to say, Avery, you're doing quite well. Really? So we're trying to decide who all we're going to buy my pillow stuff for Christmas. You know, if you use promo code FLYOVER, you get up to 66% off when you go to MyPillow.com. That's a great deal. Can't beat it. 
For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Promo code FLYOVER. Whether you like it or not, uh, the economy is a big part of your world. And in, in, a, in, a, in a way, unlike any time before, what's mm-hmm. happening a long way away affects what's happening where you are. True. We're not in our own little spaces where it doesn't affect us anymore. we got to be aware of what's happening locally, nationally, and internationally now mm-hmm. more than ever. And that's why it's important to have somebody that is equipped for this. We've got author of the book called Thriving in the Economic Tsunami, and I think that is probably uh, – was more prophetic than it was ever intended. We are in an economic yes. tsunami in, in the times that we are in, and uh, there's nobody to break it down better than Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. Welcome. Hey, how are you? Great, great. Man, is this a crazy time? I think that we say that all the time, but just more and more information coming out, it's like, wow, can it well, get it, any crazier it's the size of the numbers that throw me off because you throw things and we just get we just get numb to it we just i was listening to a a thing this morning they're kind of cracking down on the fact that the government what was the number on towards towards uh, uh, abortion 600 million per year at a federal level at a federal level we're funding abortion at 600 million per year for several years now per year and i'm like that i mean like 600 million i mean we're talking that's well you know i mean not to i mean the size of, of 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 the amounts of money that it because there's so much money's been printed and so much exists that they throw around, you almost mentally get numb to it, and we all kind of feel like Biden when he was talking in Nevada the other day. It's like uh, infrastructure, hundred billion trillion, three hundred gazillion, four hundred trillion. You know, I don't know what that number was uh, exactly, but it was like crazy. But that's how it starts to sound to everybody a little bit, you know. And so these things all affect us. But you almost get numb, you know, a little bit to the massiveness. You you in do. every sector. I mean, gazillion might be a real number, but <laughs> they might if have it's to not, use it. it. It will be with, with the amount that they're printing. They got to come up with new numbers, right? But but what's the most disturbing about that is the real number six hundred million. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of babies that have been killed. That's a yeah, lot a of lot. babies. It's just sick. I mean, that, that, that we're paying for mm-hmm. every, were, everyone watching this, everyone on the screen right now is helped fund it, you know, without yeah. knowing it, without you know, knowing it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's sad. And you wonder why America's economy is doing bad. I mean, it's just God's math. It's God's mm-hmm. judge. It's, it's ugly, mm-hmm. right? It's just, man, man. Um, that's a bad number. Right it's there. a but, bad number. You know, I so speaking of bad numbers, I I was listening to Biden kind of yammer on um, over over the weekend. Um, so incoherent, but still bragging about the economy. Yeah, and so so here's where um, the economy isn't good, right? When you when you cup now, the stock market might be at an all time high, right? But that doesn't mean the the economy is good. Because the stock market's at an all-time high because Jerome Powell and the shenanigans happening at the Fed said, we're going to actually keep interest rates steady right now. And next year, we're going to lower them three times. 
right? So what is that good for? That's really good for Biden because that tells everybody that, well, the economy is doing pretty good. We don't have to keep raising rates anymore to try to slow down inflation. We're actually winning this battle and see Bidenomics is doing really, really great for America, mm. right? So, so that's what that message from the Fed tells us. But what a couple weeks ago, I, I said, you know, they might say that they're going to do this, but there is not a chance that they're not, that they will actually lower rates three times next year because they really haven't won the war against inflation. But it doesn't matter it, right now that, that they're not going to do that because they said it. Perception is reality. Going into yeah. an election year, that's all that matters is that they mm -hmm. said it, right? Not that it's actually going to happen. So this is going to be very good for Biden going into the election year saying, we're going to lower rates three times next year because we're winning the battle. Well, just yesterday, over the weekend, uh, Jerome Powell said, well, we're this battle against inflation, we're afraid it's not over. It's like, wait a second. You just said you could lower rates three times next year, like four days ago, uh, which means the war against inflation is over. But now you say, you see, this is where whenever somebody recants something, when they modify the original statement, nobody ever covers the modification. Right. Mm -hmm cover is the first mm -hmm. statement that was made. I mean, you see this happen in, in news all the time. Yep. Yep. You know, somebody will say something that's so outrageous and then um, they realize, oh, nuts, I should have never said that. And then they'll apologize for it. Nobody ever covers the apology, right? Nope. Um, so, so this is kind of what's happening with Jerome Powell saying, well, we actually haven't won this war on inflation. But in the meantime, you've got stock market is just going through the roof. Gold and silver are also going through the roof. Yeah. Wow. Right. So, so this has all been happening since last week. I mean, silver's sneakily up to 24 again. I mean, this is, this is really good, but these rising gold and silver prices spell trouble like this article is saying for the U S dollar and for any fiat currency. Right. So, so I've had people that have, that have said, Hey, Kirk, uh, you keep saying that gold and silver are doing really good. Right. But, but kind of the price of gold has stayed sort of static over the last couple of years. It's like, has it? Maybe in, in price, it looks like it's staying static. But what has the dollar done during that time? The dollar's sinking like yep. a rock, right? So right. since 1971, the dollar's lost like 98% of its value. True. So if the dollar since 1971 has lost 98% of its value, let's just say, for, for illustration's sake, that, that gold was $2,000 an ounce in 71, and it's $2,000 an ounce today, like 50 years later. Would you say that the price of gold hadn't moved at all? Well, if you're looking at the price, you say, well, it hasn't moved at all. But in reality, it's maintained its purchasing power because the dollar lost 98% of its value, right? So, so you can't just look at the price of anything, gold or silver, is not really moving or moving it, when when you have to also couple with that, how much has the dollar declined, right? Because mm -hmm. that's actually the true growth. Well, if something has declined by 98% since 1971 and, and gold and silver have gone up since then, it's like that's a massive multiplier on your yeah. wealth. Yep. And that's truly what we're seeing right now is both. You're seeing gold and silver going up, which spells death 
to any kind of fiat-based money system. But for people who own it long-term, stop looking at the price. I'm telling you, stop looking at the price. Look at what the value of the dollar is doing. And the fact that they are printing money like there's no tomorrow to fund every stimulus under the sun means that the dollar is devaluing, devaluing, devaluing day after day after day. And in relative terms, gold and silver is going to be your only safe haven moving forward to protect your purchasing power over time. Yeah, because when you when you connect it to what you can get for it and you've done breakdowns with us before of of how many dollars it would the average house, you know, was was price for an average home, you know, and how many ounces of silver would it have taken to buy that mm-hmm. home in that era? And then how many ounces of silver would it take today and how many dollars would it take today? And it's like we we see all those things, you know, oh, you know, happen in in you know, in the economy, it's like what's it compared to? You right. know, I mean, because used to be, be your grandparents would say, oh, man, for, you know, get gas for 10 cents a gallon or a loaf of bread was this. And you can, you know, you know if you're at Cracker Barrel, one of these places, these books of like the year you were born, 1973, mm-hmm. what was everything? How much was a loaf of bread? How much was this? What was the hit song of that year? You know, you look at all those things that it, it took a long time where now most of those comparisons are really over like the last three years. Uh, my daughter, Avery, showed me this picture of like the grocery list that the little boy had in Home Alone. You know, when he when he went to the grocery store, I think at that time it was like nineteen dollars or something that he spent at the store. When 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 Biden took office, it was like forty dollars uh, for the that same list, and now it's like seventy one dollars for that mm-hmm. same list. The items didn't change, but how many dollars it takes to get it? So it's like and we, people are it's feeling in, it. It's in a very fast real time. Yeah. So when people say the economy is doing well. Well, that's good for people that have you know millions of dollars in. The stock market, maybe that's going going well for them. But when you talk, say, an average young couple working mm-hmm. two jobs trying to raise a kid, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, I mean, that's pretty good for memory. It's a good job, babe. Uh, today, it's a whopping $72. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, $44. You know, so it's like that and that those mm-hmm. numbers there you're seeing on the screen, that's what a, a, affects this young couple. That's what affects a, a, a newly retired couple mm-hmm. who said that th- they, they thought they had enough in their retirement account, you know, to be able to, to make it. And now what they're getting is not going as far yep. at and, the and store. So that's what people they're, they're running on Biden Biden and they can say, okay, well, Jerome Powell says this is going well, but the reality of the lifestyle and the, the amount of, 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 you know, flex people have in their gut when they're going to the store, where they're thinking about next year, when they're thinking, am I going to go back to work? I've been retired for four years. I have to go back to work. That's what's happening. Even looking at, I heard some stats about um, homelessness. It's a, it's, at the um, all-time high, but even for like first-time homelessness and the amount of children now, you know, in families that are homeless, I mean, it's just skyrocketing because people are feeling, I don't care what the government says is going on, people are feeling what's going on. They are, and that's homelessness, rise in homelessness, sign of a recession. Mm -hmm. When gold prices go up, that's a sign of a recession, right? When gold prices go up and the cost of oil comes down, 100% 100% sure signs of a recession, right? So so that's what we've had over the last few weeks is gold's been going up, oil's been coming down, recession, right? But but now, last week, OPEC decided they're going to cut production on oil, which is going to cause the price of oil to go up when, mm. the, when you have lower production, there's less supply and demand is still there. So now what we're seeing is this pendulum shifting moment where we've gone from just a recession to late 70s, early 80s, stagflation, 
Recession means business cycle. That's like how many people are working, how many people are spending money. And the, the inflation part of that comes from printing money like there's no tomorrow, higher priced oil. So you've got fewer people working, higher prices. That's like the late 70s, early 80s all over again. So we're going into an inflationary recession, which is awful. Now, another thing that, that nobody really looks at, but I do, is um, what are the big dogs doing? Right. Yeah. What is Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, one of the best investors ever in 2023, Berkshire Hathaway sold twenty eight point seven billion dollars worth of stock to wow. generate. So what is every wise and prudent investor? And, and you don't have to agree with with um, Buffett's politics, but he's a good investor. Right. Mm-hmm. So so you buy low and you sell high. Mm-hmm. That's what every investor is supposed to do. So there, he's getting out of Dodge on $28 billion worth of stocks. And now he has an estimated, I think it's like $150 billion or maybe $170 billion in cash. He's just sitting on this big- And, and that's just so far, cash. like this year's not over. So how far how far into the year are those numbers coming from? Third quarter. So so we still have wow. you know, one quarter left. And so how much is he going to actually sell- how much cash is he going to have? And then what's he going to do with it? Yep. So what he's doing to me is a sign of recession because he knows the economy is going to recession. Prices are going to come down. He is the king at buying companies at a discount. That's all he ever does. He's a value investor, right? So he's expecting the price of everything to come down. Um, companies, like not, not groceries, but companies And so he's going to buy up companies at huge discounts. When we go through a recession, they're about to go out of business. He's going to gobble them up. That's why he's generating all this cash. It's fascinating to me to watch it. And he's a Democrat. Mm -hmm. It's like he doesn't even believe his own president's Bidenomics is working or else he would actually be holding on to those shares because they're going to grow. He's dumping them like yesterday's trash to generate cash to buy things at a discount. And he's a Democrat. He doesn't yep. even believe in Bidenomics. Such a great point. Man, yeah, because if he thought that it was going to be going, taking a moonshot oh, yeah. and continue to rise up, he would stay in it, you know? So right. common sense. And I think, you know, he probably knows more than most people uh, on what's happening. And it's interesting, too, is a lot of his wealth, and, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is is tied up in, like, physical things. You know, he's not like, mm-hmm. you know, some risky tech investments. I mean, he's it knows going to be like, Coca-Cola, Fruit of the Loom, you know, uh, you know, trains, transportation, you know, like things phys- that are tangible. physical things. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he invests. You know, he's not a tech stock guru. Um, you know, he like Mark Cuban or whatever. He's he buys those big value behemoth companies like like railroad companies, like insurance mm-hmm. companies. Um, that's what he buys. So um, he's not expecting good outcome for the economy. And you know, like anybody, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. His actions mm-hmm. speak yeah. so much louder than words. And I think we're in a, an amazing opportunity right now. Um, you know, I'd say the majority of our of our listeners have a, a, a biblical worldview. You know, to whatever degree, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever that looks like, you know, in in their life. I think we're in a really good position. You talk about homelessness. You're talking about these things. Making wise choices right now. There's never been a time through human history where there's the shifts taking place. And we're mm-hmm. in a position to be able to help with homelessness, help with expansion of God's kingdom, mm-hmm. do these things by by 
getting out of a falling currency and into something that is going to appreciate mm-hmm. and hold value. Even if it's at a small scale, we have an opportunity now to to slingshot and, and generationally change financial fortunes and move move with this tide in order to do what God's called us to do in the future. That's what we're personally mm-hmm. very excited about and why we've made a move to a, a monthly position on silver. Yeah, can you That's talk wise. about that, Dr. Kirk? Because obviously, you know, people can can work on IRAs, they can do all kinds of stuff. But even if somebody's like, man, financially, I'm not in a position to be able to do a whole lot, they can take a certain amount each month and build that up. And you've had some really powerful stories of people that have done that, you know, over the last couple of years, and it's it's been life-changing for them. Yeah, some people would call that dollar cost averaging. I, I don't, it's not the goal to dollar cost average where sometimes you get high, sometimes you get low. It's just continuous investing into a growing trend, right? It's compounding of your ounces. And before you know it, you know, just little amounts every single month consistently or every quarter or however mm-hmm. you can do it, right? It's like you're going to look back and say, oh my word, I had no idea I had that much silver. I had mm-hmm. no idea I had that much gold. Because you're taking off the, all these little bites, yep. you know, consistently. And before you know it, you've got a really big allocation. That's huge. I mean, that is really exciting. We have, you know, friends that we've been talking to that, that have been doing that same thing. And it's exciting. And I, I was excited to be a part of it because we're yeah. doing that. And we just, we know there's a transference of wealth that's coming. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I'm doing everything on my part to be set up for whatever's going to happen next. And that's why we're so thankful for the relationship that we have with you and with your team. And every everywhere we go, in fact, we were just in Tulare, California. In Tulare, uh, they were like, is Dr. Kirk here? Yeah. I mean, they absolutely love you because you've made such a difference in That's their funny lives. That's funny when people are like, hey, doctor, and they're like, no. And they're like, oh, oh okay. And they walk okay. away. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> what about us? <laughs> I'm here. Because <laughs> yeah. people really love you. They love love your team. So Flyover Family, you can go to flyovergold.com. It's a landing page. Great information there. When you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place you can fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. So you might as well get your questions answered. Find out what are your options um, during this time. Or you can also call 720-605-3900. Again, it's 720-605-3900. Dr. Kirk, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having such an incredible team that we love and our Flyover family loves. We really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. It's my pleasure. This is a crazy time to be alive. Well, just in our lifetime, it used to be where you'd hear your grandparents talk about how cheap gas was and stuff, and it was 75 years before, 50 years you yeah. know, before. And so we've seen a lot of changes since Biden took office. $700 more a month. Than what you needed in January of 21 when he took office. You might hear these kind of things and think, oh, that's overwhelming. I can't control the government. I can't control what they're doing. I can't control the spending. But we can take care of ourselves. You want to make sure that you're buying bullion from somebody that you can trust and someone that does not charge you a commission when you go to sell. If there's going to be a commission, have it on the front end, not the back end when it skyrockets. And now you're like, oh my gosh, look at this big, huge commission I got to pay because it's on the back end before I sell it. You can buy an ounce of silver for $23. So this is something everybody can get into. And if silver goes to $50, if it goes to $75, if it goes to $100, all of those profits are yours. And that's happening while... 
the dollar is buying less and less at the actual grocery store. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or to do the same thing, you can just call 720-605-3900. I am really looking forward to today's interview. Well, it, it's fun when you can speak to, to creative people. Now, it's been a, been one of my complaints for a number, a number of years. Two things. One, when you go to the movies and when you go to the bookstore, you don't like the things that are presented. Yep. And, if, and not only just from like maybe the, the, the morality of it, just the lack of creativity. Yeah, there's no creativity. And that's with new movies coming out, with yep. new books. You see it even when you turn on like a Saturday Night Live or something. It's, it's like, like remakes. And are you kidding me? Like there's where where is the creativity? There's got to be something outside of just this, you know, one niche. Can we look at the world outside the box a little bit? Where are the creative minds out there? And there's got to be people in Hollywood, different places. And they see, you know... Uh, Fast and Furious 57 come out. <laughs> They've got to be like, you know, they're still making new Rocky movies. None of the original Rocky people are still alive, you know, yep. and it's like, like, it's like, getting old. Like there's got to be people out there that are like, I've got, you know, 11 original things here. And it's like, they, they just are just allergic to anything original. And then anything that slips out that is, People love it. Yep. And it explodes. And today we're going to dive into that just a little bit. Uh, today's guest has written books that are loved, 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 loved by ages 70 to 93. Seven, uh, to, seven 93. to 93. Age seven to 93. The whole age bracket all the way in between. And uh, I started reading some of the awards this book has won. And, and I, I got tired of reading them all. I know. There were more awards than I can even account. Probably one of the most awarded books, one of the most awarded authors probably since 2019. And uh, I think that is just about to explode. They're going to make a movie out of these books. You wonder, well, who is it? Cut to the chase. I want to get I want to get to it. Uh, uh, it's the Britfield series by Mr. Chad Stewart. Yay! <laughs> Welcome. Love, love the applause. Oh. <laughs> Some things in life are too important to leave to chance. And uh, you just got to make sure you get some claps every day a little bit. Chad, you deserve it. Honestly, we were going through um, all of the awards that you have received. It is truly remarkable. Now, now, let's jump to the beginning, though, because I doubt you started with the awards. Uh, Where did the idea for this series came from and what's kind of the genesis that's launched this this movement? Let me do like a quick three, four minute overview. Please. Covered the entire gamut, but um, originally from Newport Beach, California. I was back east in Massachusetts for 16 years, where I did my undergraduate work in British literature, European history, and then on to grad school. And then I was actually got into corporate America. I was I was an investment banker 12 years ago, if you can imagine. And I was sent to this really boring um, seminar in Providence, Rhode Island. I think it was insurance. We had to go. And um, and I started to drift and I started to doodle. And I doodled a little circle, three lines, a basket a boy and a girl, and I wrote The Boy in the Balloon. And for some reason, that idea just really resonated with me. And I thought, how cool would that be? Like, what a fun series. It takes place in England, present time. Uh, starts up in Yorkshire, Northern England, at this horrible orphanage called Weatherly Orphanage. It's about Tom. He's a 12-year-old orphan his whole life. He's been at Weatherly for six years. And this is the year he's going to escape. But he's not going anywhere without his best friend, Sarah. And somewhere along the lines, they commandeer a hot air balloon and start traveling from... Yorkshire to Oxford to Windsor to London and finally to Canterbury, but they're relentlessly chased by the illustrious detective Gowerstone. And that was kind of the gist of it. I sat down, um, took four years, um, 2,500 hours to write book one, Britfield Lost Crown, 384 pages. And from concept and doodle to launching in August 2019 was 10 years. 
10 years of hard wow. work, dedication, commitment, failure, frustration, rejection, 10,000 hours, you name it. Since we launched it, it's become a national bestseller. It's one of the most awarded books in children's fiction. It's actually in the top 3% of all books ever published within the same time frame. Oh. Uh, we believe we'll outsell the Harry Potter series in the next 10 years. I can say that with certainty. Um, and it's part of a seven book series, followed by seven movies and products, and we're working on two television programs. So in 2019, we kicked off um, a nationwide school tour. I drove 9,000 miles. I visited over 23 states, 200 schools, and presented in front of more than 40,000 students. Uh, book one was launched in August 2019 in England. Book two takes place in France. That was launched in 2019. 21. Uh, Tom and Sarah now 13 years old, and that book is 474 pages. And then you can see behind me last year, we launched Britfield. That's a really cool poster. And um, the, the uh, Return of the Press takes place in Italy, and that's uh, 575 pages. I'm working on book four, Eastern Wow, Europe, you just keep uh, getting longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, too. Like, And it was. It's kind of my epic. It's really, it, it was my crescendo to the trilogy. And then um, now with book four, I'm going to keep them right around 450, and that's Eastern Europe and Russia. Book five will be Asia. Book six will be South America. And book seven will be the United States. And by then, Tom and Sarah 12, uh, 18 years old. So wow. our youngest readers seven. Our oldest readers uh, 93. 55% of our reading audience are adults. And um, it's it's interesting the impact we've had. And what's great about these books is is number one, why they're so popular. Why kids? Why why adults? Why parents? why teachers love these things is it takes place in present time. We don't use any fantasy or heightened fiction. There's no demigods. There's no superpowers. There's no witchcraft. They're as, they're as authentic as they can possibly be. And as children are reading them, they're learning about geography, art, architecture, and culture. The whole series is based on family, friendship, loyalty, courage, and faith. And okay. we, we incorporate the four C's, creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration. Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, these are obviously great gifts. We have Christmas right on the right around the yeah. corner. Um, so it's perfect. And like you said, it could be anywhere between the age of seven to ninety-three is what your your yes. readers are. Uh, I actually have a hundred-year-old grandma, so maybe one hundred one. One hundred one. So she this would be a great one for her. So she might if be your she oldest. She could read reader. it, and you get back to me. That would be cool. I'd say from <laughs> seven to a hundred. You know. You change your change your demographic. Well, we'll get her a copy. Most authors we've had on, I've I've had a chance to to read the book. I've not had this one personally, so I went to the reviews. And it's just, I couldn't put it down. I was sad when it was over. Best book I've ever Best read. Best book I've ever read. People compared it to a combination of C.S. Lewis and Dan Brown, uh, which I think is a, man, pretty That's rare huge. error when yep. it comes to being page turners mm -hmm. and, and books that we're all familiar with and some have grew up on and are still chewing on. So so it, you're, you're kind of breaking in, but I kind of want to go back to what I said at the beginning, the creativity. I, I felt for a long time, there's like a kink in the hose of of between creative people and then what we see on the screen, what we see on the shelf, what we're experiencing. Explain kind of mm -hmm. maybe the the inside baseball a little bit of your industry, why that's been, and what do you see for the future of it? Yeah, and it's interesting too. Like we're we're a huge proponent of of creativity and bring, you know bringing creativity back. I mean, bringing creativity back in the classrooms. That was one of the reasons for our, for our school tour. And you know, we're still we have a huge database of over. Um, I think it was like 800,000 um, teachers within middle school, elementary. That's kind of our wow. main focus that, that are, you know, that we email, you know, monthly and with, with updates and, and, and all types of things and stuff. So we have a, as a nation and globally, we've been in a creativity crisis for 30 years and creativity scores in 10 specific areas has been going down at a 45 degree angle, wow. so critical thinking, communication, inspiration, collaboration, all of those different areas for, for 30 years. And on the other side of that, 
we're in a creativity revolution and creativity is the number one most important skill set in the world. That's just a fact. You can do your research. It's not engineering, which is all offshore or replaced by AI. It's not mathematics. It's not lawyers, it's not doctors, you know, where all this stuff is, is offshore or being replaced by technology and AI. One thing that it cannot do is replace creativity. Creativity is at the core of everything that we do. Every endeavor, every entrepreneurship, right. every book, everything that you've created set creativity and creativity is a gift from God and we're all creative. We're all born creative. And I like to say that because you might not feel creative or you, or you sort of, if you will, lost your creativity, you can always come back to it. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's in those times when we're creative that we just do extraordinary things, you know, those zones mm. that you get into. And so we're just, we're, we're really focused on bringing that back and we're doing it with the Britfield series. And part of it is because it's not, it's not anchored in this sort of flash over substance agenda nonsense that's just being, quite frankly, spewed out mm -hmm. in literature and television of this heightened fantasy. It's like, you know, when you're in a situation, you can't wave a wand to solve a problem. You can't say a spell. You don't put on a cloak. You can't fly over a building. And so it's this push of disconnecting kids from reality, number one. And number two, trying to make them not feel that they're, they're great as they are. And I think that's all good. children are amazing. And I think they're all gifted. And I think they're all creative and I think they're all amazing indiv individually. And I don't mm -hmm. think they need any of these heightened things. And so really, I, that's what's grabbing children that are reading this. It's like they can relate to Tom. They can relate to Sarah. And it's so funny, too. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I don't really watch TV, but I think I was flipping around. And, of course, they, they always have their Harry Potter marathon that never ends. And I was just watching like a scene for you know a couple of minutes. And I, I read all the books I had to as an author to see what, what, what all the hype was. And I was just watching it. It might have been the third movie or something. And it just struck me as being so silly, frankly, because based on, as, you know, as the author of Britfield, because I'm like, Tom and Sarah are in these same, you know, fast paced adventure series, you know, scenes where they're cornered or they have to get out of it. And guess what? They don't have a magic spell. They don't open a book and say something. I mean, it's just it's become kind wow. of silly. And that's really what we're trying to do with Britfield and Lost Crown series is just elevate literature to the next level. And I believe we're doing that little by little and people will read Britfield and they go back to this other stuff and it won't, if you will stick anymore because it's like, well, Tom couldn't fly, you know, and Sarah didn't have superpowers and yet yeah. they got through it because they thought about it or they talked it or they used their, their mind or creativity, the critical thinking. And so it really is, if you will, almost a revolutionary series. And I don't know of anything in the last 200 years that's been written like Britfield and Lost Crown. I say that humbly because I've been trying desperately to anchor it into something. I'm a huge Dickens fan. I was inspired by Dickens. Yeah. I, I grew up with James and Giant Peach and uh -huh. and, um, and um, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. That was a masterpiece. Um, and then some of the, you know, adult fiction, you know, with like uh, the Bronte sisters or Jane Eyre, um, Wuthering Heights, um, Jane Austen, uh, all of them. Um, uh, Ian Fleming, the James Bond series, you know what I mean? So, but, but I just have never read or know of anything like this, that, that, that this takes it on. And that, that's kind of the feedback we've been receiving. It's exciting. I can't wait what? to read it. Like you just talk about, like, like, man, we need this book. Well, and, and, and be able to buy something that you're, you're not worried about, you know, it's all the, you know, the, 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 the vampire werewolf story, Oh yeah, it's which, all which, that. which, you know, the feedback, we, our kids are grown now, they're 27 and, and 30, but you know, it is, highly sexualized mm -hmm. you oh, know yeah. and 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 that that driving element the twilight series as well mm -hmm. you know a, a lot of those and it's you're kind of like ah you know you want your kids to read but are you yeah. are you getting them something that's actually that really you really good for them are you letting them read something that you would allow them to watch mm -hmm. and I got, I, I got this letter from um from a fan uh last week the cutest thing ever i think she's 12 um she's actually her parents uh, are from montana they're they're best-selling authors themselves and so it's, and she's very well read but she Basically said, um, 
you know, thank you so much. I sent her two signed books. She says, I, I love them so much. Britfield and the Lost Crown is my favorite series. She goes, um, this is interesting. She goes, I've read the first book six times, the second book five times, and the third book seven times. She goes, please, please, please finish writing book four. I've got five other friends that are waiting for it. But I just thought, I mean, like, like seven times? Like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> wow. Amazing, right? Amazing. At 12. Yeah, at 12. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, I had one 14-year-old, this is a couple months ago, one 14-year-old um, that loves the series. She's out of Virginia, high school student. She goes, I just got done with book three. She goes, it's my favorite. She goes, you're now up there with Lord of the Rings. And wow. I thought, that's cool. That and coming is. from her. That that means that means a thousandfold than fifty or a hundred other yeah. paid to play adult reviewers that don't oh, know yeah. about anything. You know what That's I mean? exactly than right. a literary critic, you know, from New York, you mm -hmm. know, or or something like that. Um, qu question for you: As it, reading, in some ways, I think was becoming a bit of a lost art, and now it's sure. kind of I, I kind of resurgence, you know, mm -hmm. where where kids got so into social media and I like what they're doing. But I do see this, this burn for people to get into good books and, and to find them in our education system, kind of having a little bit of a void, you know, with that, there's this rampant increase in homeschooling. I think yes. each year it's like doubling, tripling, quadrupling mm -hmm. the number of people that are pulling out of standard public education. Um, what do you see as this, 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 the, the, the future as a society, we were always big readers. And then we kind of, you know, it was more movies and YouTube and social media, just sucking up people's time. But I feel like the, there's a hunger for it that's greater than ever. What do you see as the future of education and the direction of technology, but our still innate desire to want to read and have a story appear in your own head? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an exciting time. I think we're in an educational reformation. Um, I think we're in a uh, homeschool revolution. We've gone from 5 million to almost 20 million homeschoolers in the last three and a half years. Wow. How's that? Wow. That's that's rocking the very foundation mm -hmm. of, of current education. So um, I think we're in the last days of the public system, which is based on an archaic, socialistic uh, 19th century industrial model. So yeah. I think I think it is an extremely exciting time. I think parents are, are awake now uh, more so than ever and challenging things and saying, excuse me, you're bringing that into the classroom. Um, and I'll say this because it was interesting when I was on my school tour, uh, I it was March 2020. I was in Memphis, Tennessee. I was in the heart of America, which was really cool. And um, and, I, and I had to when this whole thing happened and I had to turn around and, and drive all the way back. And I said, it'd be interesting to see how many parents send their kids back to school. And I was basing it on three things. Number one, um, first and foremost, the parents would be horrified by what the children are learning in school. And yep. being exposed to number two, how far they're behind in certain subjects that they shouldn't yeah. be. And number three, uh, how much they could actually get done and accomplished within a couple of hours each day. And then I don't know, have the rest of the time to what play, grow up, mm -hmm. have fun, <laughs> yeah. do something creative, play musical instrument. And that's when I started seeing a year later, I started seeing statistics that between 20 to 30 percent of parents weren't sending them back to traditional school. Wow. And, and we're seeing that. I think it's just going to, as as more and more no, things are coming out, I think we're going to see that happen even more. Yeah. So do you think that there's going to be where it's kind of the pendulum is swinging this way? Do you think it'll swing back the other way? Do you think that they're going to demand education change? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's happening. It's the end the end days. It really is. Uh, it's the, I like to say it's the end days of Nazi Germany, frankly. And it's, you know, it's a scorched earth policy. It's going to kick around and, and scream and whine and complain for the next three to five, seven years. Mm -hmm. It's over. It's done. The die is cast. 
mm-hmm. and America's waking up and uh, we're, we're investing in our, in our children now and the next generation of children and we're protecting them now. You've got millions of parents that are standing up and, and tired of this horrific nonsense. So there's a reckoning coming for those that were behind it and involved in it. Yeah. And, um, and I really, I, I, I pity him. I really, I feel sorry for him because it's, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, what they've done to our children, what they've exposed to their children, no one is going to escape that. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but on the bright side, yeah, I think I think there's a huge reformation that's happening in education, which is exciting. It's 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 the beginning. It's the end of the beginning for, mm-hmm. for the uh, revival of education, real traditional education. Love homeschool education. The uh, homeschooled children are the most educated children I've ever seen or met in my life. They're well-rounded. They're well-read. Um, they're balanced. They're they're grounded. They ask great questions. Uh, they're amazing. Actually, if you want to go to the top of the website and you click on our school tour, just tour, actually, click on tour. Oh, there you go. And then go down a little bit. It's kind of fun. This is our school tour. Look at that. <laughs> wow. How cool. And you said, uh, how many schools did you go to? Over 200, and more than 40,000 students. Chad, what have you learned about the youth of today? You know, I think if you went back to 2000 years ago, the people probably saying, oh, kids nowadays, you know, this kind of thing. That's probably always, always standard. But, you know, you're actually creating content for that generation and you're spending time with them Mm -hmm. after being in corporate America and banking and and this kind of thing. So you sort of injected yourself as an adult into the minds of the youth of today. And you got to, I'm sure you've done studies on what, what are they interested in? What's, you know, what's clickable basically, Mm -hmm. so to speak, what are they going to bite on? What's kind of encouraged you or what have you gained from that experience? What are you seeing firsthand? Yeah, it's interesting. I want to answer a quick question, too, about reading. We are seeing a huge uh, rise in, in reading. We're seeing bookstores for a while because of everything we're, we're, we're depleting, you know, going down. I think at one time there was over 3,000 bookstores in the United States. There might be about 1,300 now, but they're wow. actually growing at a 5% rate. Uh, book printing right now is growing at a 5 to 10% rate. Um, ebooks have flatlined at eight. They're not percent. They're not going anywhere. People are sick mm. of the computer. They're sick of reading stuff. Audiobooks is maybe 4%. So it's very exciting. I mean, it's really cool. Kids, kids just love it. And so part of my tour, not just, you know, launch the book was really to, to roll up my sleeves and do a kind of grassroots boots on the ground feel of what's happening in America, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's happening in all these different schools. And we went to everyone. We went to top private schools in LA, we went to Title One schools in Dallas, Texas. I went to homeschool farm in, in Reno, Nevada. Um, I went to a small little girls' school in in, um, in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, I've seen it all, done it all: private, public, Catholic, Christian, charter. Wow. Um, you know, hundred hundred p- children um, library, four hundred um, student auditorium, fourth through eighth, and um, I'd sometimes be there for two hours signing books. And we usually would do about 40% of sales, which is amazing, which is saying almost one out of two kids is actually going to read, which I thought was really cool. But as I'm doing it, I'm talking to them. I'm talking to hundreds of students. And that was one of the reasons. So what do you think of the presentation? What do you like about it? Um, Do you like to write? What are you reading right now? How often do you read? You know, and and I'm just just peppering them with sort of questions to get a vibe and a feel. I'd always come to the school about an hour early so I could hang out and talk with the librarian because who knows what's going on, right? The librarian. Yep. And we just talk about trends and what's big right now and what kids are reading and all that kind of stuff. I talk with the teachers and stuff. So to answer your question, um, I, I have found that children, especially between 10 and, and 12 years old, are amazing. I don't care what background they are. I don't care what demographic. They're amazing. Um, they're brilliant. They're creative. Um, I did. I, I never had a single issue 
with any of my presentations with antsiness or, or that we had to stop or that, I mean, I had them captivated <laughs> and we would do Q and A at the end. And I mean, just the, the place lit up with hands and wow. we would sit there for like, I'm not kidding. Like for 25, 30 minutes, like the teachers are like, kind of like tapping their, you know, like we gotta, <laughs> we gotta wrap it up. But I'm like, are you kidding me? The kids are asking questions, right. You know, and I'm just, I'm going around and I'm encouraging them and I'm saying like, Hey, that's fantastic. And that's a great question. And some of the best articulate questions I have received are from fourth graders. You know, they're just little geniuses. Wow. And um, it's interesting, too, because we do a huge research on creativity, as we do with a, a lot of other topics. And I always like to, to talk about this. But uh, George Land is a famous writer, researcher. He worked for, for NASA to, to create a creativity test. Yeah. And you guys probably heard this. And he decided to, to put it into the school system and um, and test it and, and track it. And he tested five year olds and five year olds were, were scoring at 98 percent creativity. Little geniuses. Wow. Little, little geniuses. He tested them again at 10 and it dropped down to 30%. He tested them again at 15 and it dropped down to 12%. Wow. And wow. so basically what he found was that schools were basically educating children out of creativity, you know? So and, sad. Um, so I'm coming back to that childhood thing that all kids are born creative. Really, they really are. And I mean, it's like the audacity of sticking, the only qualification for this child to be in this classroom is that they're 12 years old. And sticking 30 to 40 kids in a, in a classroom for 40 hours a week, you know, to look at a chalkboard and, and memorize facts and stuff. I mean, are you mm -hmm. are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's mm -hmm. like it's such a ridiculous model. And I was blessed. I, I grew up in Newport Beach, California. I had a great elementary school. You know what I mean? It was very different. But again, that was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So. Yeah. Um, but with that said, it's just like, you know, that's why this whole homeschool movement is amazing. And, yeah. and parents need to be realize that that doesn't mean that a parent has to stay home. There are so many hybrid models, so many options. There's collaborations with charter school systems. We have over a thousand charter schools just in California. What, is it, what does that tell you about the current system? You know, wow. Like, so it is, it's crumbling, yes. it's crumbling. And they're going to, they're going to scream and fight, you know, because their little socialistic, horrific, you know, subservient model is crumbling. Well, so be it, it's, you know. That yeah, going all the way back to Dewey, uh, it's 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 been in yeah. decline and mm -hmm. needed to be fixed and corrected. So we are so glad uh, you're like an answer to prayer that I didn't even know existed. And so to find out about these series and to find out about you mm -hmm. and what you're doing is is truly it's a gift not just to our nation but nations all over the world. I know there's you got readers in the Netherlands and and Australia, UK, you got them all over the place. And uh, I'm I'm just really. I'm really hopeful hearing your stories here and uh, hopefully more of our listeners uh, will be injecting this into their, their family. So flyover yeah. family, go to Britfield.com and you can get the books there. Um, is that the best place for them to get the book? It is if they want to get signed copies and I'm still doing that uh, while I have time. We're in the development of the first major motion picture. It's to be the first of seven movies. Here's the movie script. And uh, we, we actually anticipate that it'll be one of the highest grossing films in cinematic history. We're going to set box office records. So, that is exciting. Love that it. is exciting. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chad. We really appreciate your time. Growing up in the heart of the USA, David and Stacy met at school when they were in seventh grade. They started dating at 19 and tied the knot at 20. Yep, it's a love story that warms the heart. At 23 years old, while juggling two kids, Colton and Avery, they started an online brokerage company that soared to unimaginable heights liberating them from the confines of the nine to five grind with their newfound freedom this dynamic duo spent their time globe trotting what followed was two years working on the mission fields ministry school marriage workshops and even a music career 
But hold on, folks. That's not where the story ends. In 2016, they saw a businessman they admired become president. During his campaigning, they noticed that he celebrated a system of government of which the founding fathers would have been proud. They had many friends asking for their thoughts on what was happening in politics. It was then that they realized that there was a burning need for a community where real issues could be discussed, debated, and dissected. And so, the Facebook group called Flyover Conservatives was born. As the 2020 election cycle rolled around, their group grew and grew, attracting more patriots by the day. But as we all know, the journey wasn't without its challenges. Big tech began to censor conservative content, shadow banning the flyovers, and subjecting them to daily fact checks that left many scratching their heads. Undeterred, this dynamic duo rose to the occasion. During the infamous Twitter purge, they decided to take matters into their own hands and launched their very own show, streaming on platforms like Rumble. And guess what? Their audience has skyrocketed to over 5 million views a month. With regular guests like General Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Kash Patel, Robin Bullock, Eric Trump, and so many others, they show absolutely no signs of slowing down. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to mypillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six piece towels for only $29.98, or get your very own my pillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or the moon landing, chemtrails, the Nephilim, demons? Those are all things that fascinate me. Decided to use our platform at the Flyover Conservative Podcast and create a new show called Conspiracy Conversations. Every Saturday morning, we get together with some of the brightest minds in the world that have spent thousands of hours on a topic, churning through the research, looking at things, they've traveled, they've been to the locations, they're looking for the truth because they're as curious as you and I are about what's true. What is really true about our past, where we came from, where we are, and where we're going? We don't bring on guests to iron out their wrinkles and find out the things that we disagree on. No more than I go to the grocery store and, and, and try to put everything in the whole store in my cart. I just try to walk out with better ideas than I had when I walked in. If you got something inside you that's like, what about that? I don't even know if I agree, but I would like to hear them out. If you have an open mind and a curious heart, we've got a show for you every Saturday morning at eight o'clock, conspiracyconversations.com. you've enjoyed this episode of the flyover conservatives podcast with david and stacy whited please subscribe hit the notification bell and leave us a comment below lastly if you enjoyed today's podcast share with those who came to mind be blessed 
and make it a great day. 